0: Hello and welcome to episode twenty seven of the one one hundred and sixty of the second photography Podcast today I'm joined by Jane and Jane is a newspaper and sports photographer So Jane, would you like to just introduce yourself please
1: Hello um yes, my name is Jane Russell I've been a press photographer for the last thirty four years I believe it is. I started in nineteen eighty four I work in Milton Keynes and the surrounding areas. And I've had a fantastic time working on all the local newspapers from Milton Keynes Herald over to the Luton Herald and Post and back again to the Milton Keynes Citizen.
0: Thank you very much, Jane. Now, Jane, what drew you to becoming a newspaper and sports photographer?
1: Back when I was a child,
0: I had a
1: boyfriend who was doing a graphic design course, and part of that was photography. And we used to go off and take photos, and I thought that would be a nice job. So I set about trying to become a photographer. I did a little bit at school. Um, did an exam at school and then I couldn't really see how to get to myself into being a photographer so I eventually found a press photography course in Sheffield and got myself on that.
0: And you haven't looked back since by the sounds of it?
1: Yes, no I haven't looked back since and it was you know it's just a year course so it didn't last too long and then you were out working on newspapers all the time and it's been really really good fun to be honest.
0: So what is it like being a newspaper photographer. Talk us through what you do as a newspaper photographer.
1: You get up in the morning and sometimes you go to work but due to the fact I worked in Luton and there was an awful lot of things going on from the night before or you know during the night I could deviate off so I didn't have to go into the office too much and just go to an incident like a drive-by shooting or a fire or something that had happened and just off off by taking pictures of what was still going on with the police tape and what have you, and then I would go into the office, sit down, find what we had to do for the rest of the day, which is usually a little less interesting, but you know, school jobs and general presentations and that sort of thing. And you could work to any time of night, depending on what was going on.
0: But generally, you just went in, did lots of taking a photographs, and then went home. Is there is there a window to get out and get photos of an incident that's happened? Do you have to be right there? Do you get a call in the middle of the night and you have to just get up and, and go? Or can you go 12 hours later or a day later?
1: It depends on the incident We rarely got phone calls during the night because there was no one there to get the call to you. Everyone worked nine till 5.36 approximately. But if something happened and someone had been checking the police tape, then you could get a call if it was ongoing. But generally, a lot of incidents, you know, police don't clear things up really quickly. So I could go the next morning because they would all still be there. You know, the tape would all be round and you would stand and just see what was going on. A day later, most things have gone. You have to be fairly quick off the mark, hence going straight from home. But most things after 24 hours would be gone, done and dusted and finished with. Because press work is all quite instant you have to be there quickly.
0: Over your long career in press photography how have things changed and nowadays I suppose everything is that much more instant. How have smartphones and social media changed the landscape of press photography?
1: When I started everything was just black and white and you'd have to go back to the office to develop your roll of film and get a little print done and hand it in where now the cameras are capable of sending the images from site, basically i believe you have to have something to make it you know you have to send it to something and i'm because i don't do it too often i'm not 100% sure how that all works but an iphone or a you know a phone you can take pictures from that and send it immediately so that has changed the world of press photography massively because everyone has a phone on them so everyone can photograph something that's going on it is amazing now
0: and has that made your job harder or easier? Do you use your phone for press photography?
1: I don't, generally. If I, I think if I drove past something and didn't have a camera with me, I may well take a picture with my phone and send it to somebody you know, the citizen or whatever. But generally I have a camera in the boot so I would stop, take a picture and then probably drive home and download it as normal. But yeah, I could if it was a big enough thing and it's far enough away from my house I could use my phone quite easily I think now.
0: We've talked briefly about how things have changed. In a world where everyone has a blog, everyone has a website and everyone has a presence online, are you now as a press photographer expected to write copy, expected to do a little bit of the Story as well, or are you solely just doing photos?
1: I just do photos, but I have always been the sort of person that if I was on a job and we needed a quote or a name or a phone number, I would get it. You know, if I came across something that had happened, I would always get a phone number so they could then get the information they needed. I wouldn't necessarily, in fact, I, I don't think I've ever really written a story. Uh, It would just take me too long. I think I'd be there forever. The reporters are really quite talented in the way they can write their stories so quickly and so interestingly. So I don't do their job for them. I can get them information so they can do their job better. I wouldn't actually write the story, no.
0: And are you finding more journalists are taking images to support their story or are they relying more on a dedicated photographer?
1: The problem with reporters nowadays is there aren't enough of them to be able to go out. There never were enough, particularly, So, which is why the photographers would go out and then get a phone number or whatever. But the reporters tend to stay in the office, so even now they don't take photographs themselves. They may find something on Facebook or whatever where someone has taken one and use that, but I don't believe they take that many themselves.
0: Sorry, I have this image of a reporter from watching films where you see an incident and a reporter turns up and gets a notebook out. I'm guessing that's probably quite an outdated view of things now.
1: They do do that still, they do, but it's generally done over the phone nowadays. They may go around in the evening to interview somebody if it's more of a featurey type of thing or if it's a very, very important story they may well turn up and get their notebook out and write in it, yes.
0: You've talked about always having a camera in your boot in case you drive by something and you want to take a picture of it. Can you just talk about the general kit that you use for your newspaper photography?
1: I have two bodies, basically. I have Nikon cameras, because I've always preferred Nikon and chose them when I was at college in Sheffield. And I have fundamentally two general lenses they're both zooms ones a 24 to 70 and the other is an 80 to 200 which covers most things in most scenarios that you would need i do have a longer lens i have a much longer lens for football and i also have a longer lens that is very small and light in case there is an incident you know quite a long way away that i just need to be able to get a bit close to but can't walk And that's a 300 f4. But I do always use Nikon because I prefer the way it works. Focus is nice. And the way uh, the metering for the exposure I've always liked in preference to the Canon. But other people seem to prefer Canon. And whenever you go to any sporting events like Wimbledon or Silverstone, everyone seems to have Canon lenses and bodies. So there must be something that says they're better for sport at the moment. I don't know
0: you're fixed by what you first bought into really so i have canon but that was because i bought it i bought a canon dslr to do video when they were the best at video and so now for me i will do i will stick with canon because that i've i've made that investment even though probably Nikon are doing a bit better at the moment with the new Nikon cameras. But I made my investment in lenses, so I'm going to stick with Canon. I'm sure that's probably the reason that most people pick one over the other.
1: I thought exactly the same as you until I spoke to someone who said there are, and I don't know if it's Canon, Nikon or a shop, but they trade in all your old stuff and give you new for a massive discount. And I don't know how often that happens, but he'd done it and he got rid of all whatever brand he had and changed to the other one. So uh, it can can be done without losing too much of your investment.
0: So you were talking about your kit and you've talked about the various lenses you had. And when you said I have two general lenses. I immediately thought twenty-four to seventy and seventy to two hundred. You've talked about the lens, the other lenses you have. How often do you go outside of those two lenses?
1: For football, when I do the MK Dons for the Citizen, I use um, I have a hundred to three hundred, which is actually a Sigma lens because it's two point eight, and Nikon don't actually do one like that. But that I use that always for photographing MK Dons because the three hundred is just gets them close enough at about the halfway line and then you can sort of rack back to the hundred to get goal mouth action and you don't have to swap cameras you just have everything in one lens but it is very heavy so you couldn't um, walk around with it too much to be honest you know I walk two football sit down and put it on a monopod and that's it I wouldn't I don't know if I could even handhold it but it's very heavy. But that lens is used for football and the 300 f4 that I have is quite nice because it's so small and light it can be taken anywhere and it just gets you closer to things when you can't walk closer. So that's a very useful lens as well but it's not really good enough for football. That's the problem with that.
0: So it sounds like for sports you're bothered about reach. Do you use any teleconverters or do you do anything to give you that extra reach uh
1: not at football the 100 300 is fine because basically you want mk dons on the attack so you would sort of sit that end and the 300 is long enough to get them as they're coming towards you for cricket i use a times two converter on my I think it's 80 to 200. No, actually, sorry, I've changed because I bought the 300 for that as well. So I use the teleconverter on the 300 F4. So I have a 600, which is much better for cricket. So you can get in closer to the batter or the bowler, depending on which team I'm photographing.
0: And I guess because it's a bright, sunny day, you don't really lose too much in the way of light gathering abilities.
1: Well, it makes it F8 always. and You would think that. You would think it's always a bright sunny day, but I have done cricket in the rain, much to my annoyance. But the joy of the digital cameras now is when you change the ISO, so if you put it on 800 instead of 400, you can have it on a thousandth at F8, whatever the weather really So the cameras have improved so much that it doesn't matter too much if you put the ISO up higher. Where in the days of black and white, if you put, you know, 1600 ASA roll of film in, it was as grainy as anything. But now that just doesn't happen. It's just still amazingly good quality.
0: In newspapers, if they're even still read in newspapers and online, does the image quality have to be that high?
1: Probably not for the newspapers. The website, in theory, the quality needs to be a little bit better, although it doesn't always look like it's particularly good, I must admit. But for my own belief and what I want to produce, the quality does matter. Having things on the you know, the lowest ISO to get the quality to be really good still matters to me.
0: So... You report things factually, whether it's sport or newspaper photography. Does that mean you edit your images or is the image you take a snapshot of what was happening at that time and you don't edit it?
1: I don't really edit my photos. I might oomph up the colour a little bit. And if I was doing perhaps a portrait, I might remove a blemish. But generally, my photos are as they are taken I don't have time to be honest to edit too much. And also, I don't, being a press person, I don't believe that photos should be altered and manipulated. You know, they are supposed to be a genuine photo of what was there. So I tend to leave things like that, yes.
0: What do you need to do sports photography?
1: Good lenses, basically. It depends on the sport. Look, you know, if the sport is afar, Because having been to Silverstone, uh, just to watch it, not to photograph it, everybody had massively long lenses because it gives you a different look of the photo. It'll blur out the background and pick out the cars, so it makes them have more impact. The same, you do the same with football and cricket. You just need very good lenses. You need f2.8. I don't know if they're different to the others, the focusing, but they seem to be a much better quality lens. But that really is it. You don't need too much else. Maybe a monopod to hold the lens on and a body, obviously, to put it on. But the body isn't as important as the lens. They are, yes. I think they use better glass in them or something. I am not. I wouldn't want to say that and I don't want it used against me by a Nikon or something. But they do seem to be better quality.
0: So you need a professional lens, really, is what you're saying. And, and the f2.8 lenses are generally the professional ones, aren't they? Yeah.
1: Yes, you do need good lenses to do it well. But it's the same with everything If you're particularly good at capturing moments You don't need to spend a fortune on bodies and lenses You can do it with cheaper ones It's just a little bit harder in a way You need to be a little bit closer And you need to probably think and react very quickly And that sort of thing But generally, you can do any job with anything But if you want really, really good results You sometimes do need to spend a bit more on a lens
0: So when you do sports photography, how do you pick out the right moments and how do you know, how do you stand in the right places to get those really important moments? Because I guess it's like wedding photography. That goal is only scored once or twice in a match. That six is only hit once or twice in a match. How do you, in a 90 minute match, how do you capture that one decisive moment?
1: With football, you are there for the whole 90 minutes. So you just follow the game the whole time. And you will take lots of pictures that aren't that one moment. But they are all nice and interesting. And for the person involved, you know, they're good enough. But to get the one moment, you just have to follow the game for the whole time and just be aware of what's going on and know how the game is played. Sometimes, you know, you can tell they're going to pass it to so-and-so. It. You just have to follow it, basically, and keep your attention on it and not let it wander.
0: So you've no doubt picked up a huge wealth of experience, and particularly if you photograph the same team over and over again, I guess you get an inkling and you can almost predict what they're going to do by the sounds of it.
1: Yes, sometimes you definitely can. But to be honest, the best goals are the ones where you least expect it normally. So you even when you think, oh, they're too far away and I'll follow them in a minute, you can't. you have to keep your wits about you and follow them the whole time
0: so being a sports photographer and reporting on sort of sports games and things can you talk about the day-to-day of being a sports photographer
1: I'm not a a sports photographer as such I don't have a day-to-day I do sport for the Milton Keynes Citizen or probably the Luton Herald and Post if it was a Saturday and the MK Dons were playing I would get there I'm a bit notorious for being a bit late, actually, but I'll try and get there for about quarter past, half past two. You go in, you set yourself up, sit on the side of the pitch, depending on where you want to be. Depends where the sun is as well, and depends which way they're shooting. And MK Dons always shoot the far end first. So I tend to sit not on the halfway line, but probably the quarter line or something, midway between halfway and the goal mouth. So that if all the action is the other end, I can at least get some photos that I can send over at half time. If they're on a winning roll, which hasn't happened for a couple of seasons, you can go and do goal mouth action and get them running towards goal. But because I need to send things at half time, I tend to sit down the side so that I, I can at least get midfield. And then the second half, I always sit by the goal so that if there is a goal, I've got it, you know, the build up to it and the goal going in. And I just find that works for what I need to do. And then at the end, depending if it's the end of the season or a normal game, I would just go back up into the press room, send the rest of the photos and then I'm done. Fundamentally, it takes quite a few hours to do one match, but it's not, you know, it's all good fun unless it's raining and then it's not such good fun
0: i picked up on something I didn't know. I didn't realise there was a press room. So is that somewhere where you can get access to a computer and send your images off?
1: It's basically a room where they provide tea and coffee. You can take your own. I take my own laptop in there and then I send it from that room. Yes, you've got Wi-Fi in there. But the other photographers don't go in. They tend to send all their pictures from Pitchside. But I find it easier to go into a room and have a cup of tea. But that's probably because I'm a girl. <laughs> I don't
0: know the whole nation in the UK has been, and probably around the world, has been watching football recently. What a surprise. And quite often by the goal, you'll see a camera sort of on a little mini tripod, just pointing up unmanned. Can you talk about what that is and how someone would use that?
1: That is a, uh, in fact, if you looked at the World Cup, there were about 80 cameras behind the goal mouth, I believe. Uh, They're on a remote. So the photographer is sitting somewhere else and Basically, if there's a goal, that camera will then get a picture directly behind the goal of goalkeeper either leaping in the air and saving it or the goal going in. So they get a different view of the same picture that they're doing from the side. And it's just another way of having a different angle of the same goal, basically.
0: And is that something you do?
1: No, I haven't done that. Should do, I suppose, but I haven't.
0: It sounds like you have to lug, you have to be somewhere, you have to lug a lot of heavy equipment around. How do you protect yourself? How do you protect your back? How do you protect your investment in your kits?
1: In the old days we just had a camera bag that you put everything in and in those days as well there weren't zoom lenses so you had about four or five fixed lenses. So on one shoulder you had a very heavy bag but nowadays they have Camera bags on wheels, so you can put everything in, they're protected quite well, and you can wheel them round so you don't actually have to carry quite so much. But if you see the photographers at big football matches, they still have everything wrapped around them as well. They seem to have loads in their wheelie bags and loads around their necks, so you just, and you can't protect things sometimes. You do your best, and you one, you never drop anything, and two, you can get hit by a football. But you just do your best to follow the game and move out the way. The worst ones I've had have been at Leighton Town. They seem to want to just kick the ball at me always. (laughs)
0: Oh, I'm sure it's nothing personal down in Leighton Town. And so do you have things like insurance for your kit or do do you not have that?
1: Yes, no, I do have insurance for my kit. I haven't had to use it though. So, well, I just hope I never have to. So I don't want to find out if they don't pay out. But yes, I do have insurance for everything.
0: And are you part of any any professional service that Nikon offers? Because I know that, particular, again, talking about the World Cup, the big three manufacturers, Canon, Sony and Nikon, all have huge professional services that they work with professional photographers. Are you, are you part of that?
1: I believe that when I send my cameras back to Nikon, I am part of something because I get put through quicker than if I didn't earn a living using my cameras. So there is... Um, A quick way of getting your cameras mended. I'm not quite sure what it's called, but yes, I think I am part of that. So what's
0: gone wrong with your cameras then?
1: There have been a few things over the years. I bought a new 24-70 to lens and when you just moved the focus ring, it was fine. But when you actually used it on a job, it was sticking. It was a very straight thing. It was brand new. So that was done under warranty. But they mended that very quickly, it sort of goes there and back within a week, which is pretty good going and I've had bodies that need things mended. I can't think what at the moment, but they I think my nikon d four had been back because it was a bit grindy on one of the buttons at the top, so they mend that as well. but they're very good and very quick normally
0: so I'm a photographer, you're a photographer, and no doubt our listeners are photographers and we all have those images that we're really proud of in your professional capacity can you talk about the images you're most proud of and and why you're proud of them as well
1: it's a tricky one though because when you work for newspapers everything goes quickly so you often don't really think about them again you just sort of take them think oh I like that one and then move on But I did very much like doing the Luton riots in 1995. And some of the pictures from that were used in all the nationals throughout the world. And I liked those photographs a great deal, you know, with people. Some of them were actually taken before the riots. There had been a mini incident a couple of days previous. And I'd taken some of the people just on the estate just to say it had happened sort of thing and they got used by like the independent and what have you but the actual night of the riots they went uh, around the world those photos a little bit not massively but enough for me to be very proud what else have i done i did a very nice picture of ed the duck back in the day as well he was um a duck well the egg had been left by his mother in a hanging basket and he'd been born and then they needed to find him a new home but that was a very nice picture. I used to go to the Badminton Horse Trials and take pictures, and I very much liked the photos I took there of some of the famous people at the time and their horses. Like there was um, Ian Stark and Murphy himself coming out through the water. Things like that I liked. What about you? What photos are you proud of?
0: Probably ones of my children. I obviously it's it's really difficult. You don't realise this till you have children. It's very difficult to take pictures of children because they don't sit still and, and you're generally indoors as well so you don't have great light they're fast moving so you need a high shutter speed so the ones I have most up on my wall are ones of my children and just some odd sort of street photography ones that I've just taken sort of candidly I'm looking at one now of two cows who just I took a picture of cows they just looked really quizzical So it tends to be, for me, ones of my children, because I can capture a good image, so I do. I've got hundreds of my children, but and only some of them, most of them, they're looking a bit unhappy, but there are those gems when they're looking, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and and probably those are my favourite ones and the ones I'm really proud of, because they look just so nice. And as the children grow up, that moment in time, so they're not teenagers yet, when they are teenagers... And they're grumpy. I can look back at those lovely images where they're both smiling and they're both happy and think back to um, those times, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, no, it does. And that's the one thing about press photography that I'm glad you mentioned, because everything is about expressions, because it's a lot of people like pictures of your children. You know, it's all about the expression, everything, because it just tells you everything you need to know in that one expression. So that's very important. And you'll love those ones when they get old and grumpy in
0: their teens. (laughs) Yes, yes, I will. and I'm sure I'll be able to bring out some embarrassing ones of them as well. Yes. Let's say we've got someone who wants to get into newspaper photography. What tips could you give them now to get into newspaper photography?
1: It's quite a hard job to get. It's always been a hard job, but I think it's even harder now, because at least when I was young, they did employ photographers, and they did, you know, because I came to the Milton Keynes Gazette back in 1984 from college, and they had an indentured thing that they would get a youngster in that was half-trained, train them up, and then they'd get their final exams, and it's a way of having a photographer probably on a slightly cheaper basis, but that knows what they're doing. So, the best advice I can give people, really, is to know exactly what you're doing with your camera, how to use it, and just practice, practice, practice. Just see what you like doing and get, you know, as good equipment as you can without being ridiculous and enjoy it. And just, you know, if you do want to be in the photography world, go somewhere where you can almost do the job on a learning, in a learning way. Because be, it's difficult to know how people get into photography now, because things have changed so much that there must be a way, because there still are lots of photographers out there. But I don't know if they're just freelance and just love the job and do it, or if, they, if there is another way in, like, you know, getting into an agency or something or into... Cause Places like Tesco's have photographers for their magazines and stuff. So there are ways you could get in, but just be really good at what you do and enjoy it and it will show.
0: And are there any tips you can give for doing sports photography?
1: Patience, probably.
0: Know the sport
1: and be prepared to sit out in any weather conditions. And again, enjoy it and get as good a lens as you can for sport. Because you do need to be as close to it as you can. So the longer the lens, the better in a way.
0: Is it about finding a good position, camping out in that good position?
1: With some sports it is. Like if you were doing eventing, you can sit at a fence and know what sort of picture you're going to get. But at football, you don't really know where they're going to kick the goal in from. It could be one side, it could be the other, it could be the halfway line. Some of that is luck. But you learn. The more you do things, the more you learn about it. So you get yourself in a relatively good position for everything and watch what other professionals do. I, if, you know, if I do a sport I haven't done before, I sort of look around, and see where people are and gravitate towards them because you can always move away. But if you start with someone else who possibly knows what they're doing, is, then you can just do that and then make your own opinions based on a start
0: point. And so when you watch things like Wimbledon or the World Cup or the FA Cup in the UK, do you watch the sport or do you watch the photographers there?
1: On telly, I think I watch the sport. But I know when I was at Silverstone last Friday, I was watching the photographers. Yeah, it's just because there were lots of them there and they had different equipment. I did actually just sit there watching them quite a bit. Much to my brother's annoyance. But, but when I'm watching it on telly, fundamentally, I just watch the sport. You might They might zoom in on the photographers and then you think, oh, they're still all using Canon. But other than that, I'm just watching the sport.
0: And I suppose what I keep asking people, because this is a trend that I see, is, is there now an expectation that you'll do video as well? Is there an expectation you'll be a hybrid shooter when you go to a sporting event or just an incident?
1: When I was employed at the newspaper uh, the Luton Herald and Post we were expected to do little videos but now I generally just do stills occasionally for the citizen I'll do a little video but generally people will pay for a proper video person because there's a massively different skill involved there the editing is you know the editing is what makes the video good basically so i just do stills really but occasionally a little video for the paper
0: no thank you very much that's that's always really useful to know because the last guest i spoke to they've changed from being a photographer to a visual content creator or visual storyteller because they do a lot of hybrid shooting now so I'm always interested in what the expectation is on doing hybrid shooting
1: yeah and I know when I did work on the paper in Luton at Whipsnade a lot of the national photographers said they were all expected to do videos so they'd gone from doing stills to videos but now I'm slightly separate to that world because I obviously do a lot of corporate and PR stuff it is I'm just employed to do stills more.
0: It was lovely talking to you Jane. And um, just before we go, are there any final thoughts you'd like to talk about?
1: Probably only the fact that I've had one of the fun, one of the funniest lives you could possibly have meeting all the different types of people that you meet in the newspaper world. The uh we've obviously done quite a few famous people and a lot of royals over the years, and it is always fun all the other photographers are fun everything about it is just a fun day that's what I'd like to say
0: I've got another question I do apologize based on what you've said I know I said we're going to wrap up but based on what you've said I've got another question how much do you have to be a people person in your job a
1: massive portion of you has to be a people person charm is very important you will always meet people that it's very difficult to be nice to, but generally you have to have a way about you that can get people to do what you want in about five seconds. And that's a good trait, being able to you know, make people feel relaxed and happy to do what you want them to do. And the joy of digital is you can actually show them that the weird position they're in actually looks really good from where I am and then they can see it and be much happier doing it so there has been an element of trickiness taken away where you know they think they're being made to look silly but actually they look amazingly good but yes having a lot of charm and cheek is very useful in this profession
0: and as a press photographer do you need to get consent or get a release form signed or are you just because you're documenting something that's not required How does that work?
1: Things have changed over the years, to be honest. But generally, we are invited to events. And in a public place, you can pretty much photograph anyone because it's a public place. So it shouldn't be a problem. But sometimes if you're in a public place and you're zooming in on people, you would need consent if you wanted to use it for marketing material. But no, I rarely, as a press person, have had to get any signed consent but i do working for pr companies so there is a difference
0: jane i'd like to thank you for appearing in this episode Um, it's been amazing talking to you so thank you so much don't forget to leave a review of this podcast on itunes it would certainly help grow the podcast and make the podcast more accessible to other people and thank you so much for listening goodbye